Hello, everyone. It's Eves checking in here to let you know that you're going to be hearing two different events in history in this episode, one from me and one from Tracy V. Wilson. They're both good, if I do say so myself. On with the show. Welcome to this day in history class from HowStuffWorks.com and from the desk of Stuff You Missed in History Class. It's the show where we explore the past one day at a time with a quick look at what happened today in history. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Tracy V. Wilson and it's October 25th. The SS Princess Sophia sank on this day in 1918 after running aground on the 24th. The SS Princess Sophia had been providing passenger, cargo, and mail service around British Columbia, Canada, and Alaska Territory. This ship had a route that went from Vancouver, British Columbia, to Skagway, Alaska. It had eight stops, four in British Columbia and four in Alaska. And this was a seasonal boat. It was a seasonal trip. It only ran from May to October, and in the rest of the year, it acted as a ferry in British Columbia. On October 23rd of 1918, the SS Princess Sophia departed Skagway, Alaska on its last run of the season with Captain Leonard Locke at the helm. The boat was really crowded that day. It was a sold-out crowd, and there was sort of a see-you-in-the-spring party going on at the dock. This was, as I said, the last trip of the season. There were a lot of people who were just waiting to hunker down as everything froze over. Because of all this chaos, the boat left about three hours late. Skagway is connected to other waterways on the coast of Alaska via the Lynn Canal. This is an extremely windy waterway with squalls called willowaws blowing in off the surrounding glaciers. And it's made even more treacherous because there's a stretch of rock in the middle of the canal called the Vanderbilt Reef. Not long after leaving Skagway, the SS Princess Sophia ran into a storm, and probably because it was running late, it kept up its normal speed of 11 knots rather than reducing to 7 knots, which is what was supposed to happen in bad weather. During this storm, the Princess Sophia was blown off course into the center of the canal, and it hit the Vanderbilt Reef at top speed in the very early hours of the morning on October 24th. What followed was an almost 40-hour wait stuck on the rock. Several fishing vessels and a U.S. lighthouse service tender came to try to assist, but the weather was so bad and the sea was so rough that they couldn't get close. The captain also thought it would be safer to stay put and to wait for the weather to clear before trying to put anybody into a lifeboat to get them off the boat. These other rescue ships eventually had to take shelter. A lighthouse service tender called the Cedar tried to make a britches buoy on the afternoon of the 25th of October. The plan was to drop an anchor, run a line over to the Princess Sophia, and then people would use this line like a zip line. The name for this being the britches buoy comes from using canvas britches to hold onto. The water was so rough, though, that the cedar just couldn't get the anchor to hold. And in the afternoon of the 25th, all the ships had to once again take shelter, leaving the Princess Sophia there on the rocks, The power went out on the Princess Sophia, and the passengers were in total darkness late that afternoon. The batteries were also running out on their radio equipment, and other ships lost contact with them briefly in the afternoon of the 25th. When they reached them again at about 4.45 by radio, things had taken a really dire turn. At 4.50, the captain of the Princess Sophia sent an SOS with the message, quote, taking water and foundering, for God's sake, come and save us. At 5.20, he said when talking to one of the other ships, for God's sake, hurry, water coming in room. In the morning, 
when the weather had cleared. A lighthouse superintendent from nearby Sentinel Island went to the scene and found only the Princess Sophia's foremast visible above the water. Sometime between 5.30 and 6.30 the evening before, the wind had spun the ship completely around on top of the rocks so that it was pointing north instead of south. It had torn the bottom completely out of the ship and the ship had slid into the water. There were no survivors aside from one English setter who was found covered in oil about 20 miles to the south. Two days later, the dog had gotten very far away from the wreck but had clearly been wrecked with the rest of the passengers. The exact death toll of the Princess Sophia is unknown, but it was more than 300 people, including a lot of people from Yukon. More than 100 of the approximately 800 people who lived in the city of Dawson died in this one wreck. No fault was ultimately placed on Captain Locke or the steamship company. There were people who questioned his decisions, but a lot of other captains agreed that they would have done the same thing in his place. Very little money was ever paid to any of the families of the victims, although the shipping company was able to get an insurance settlement. You can learn a lot more about this on the October 15th, 2018 episode of Stuff You Missed in History Class. Thanks to Tari Harrison for her audio work on this show. You can subscribe to This Day in History Class on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And you can tune in tomorrow for a story from Tombstone. Hi again, everyone. I'm Eves, and you're listening to This Day in History Class, where instead of going back to the future, we go back to the past. The day was October 25th, 1924. The British newspaper The Daily Mail published a letter reported to have been sent by Grigory Zinoviev, who was chairman of the Communist International, to the Communist Party of Great Britain. It was published just four days before the United Kingdom general election. Though many people took the letter seriously at the time, it's now considered to be a forgery. In the 1923 UK general election, the Conservative Party won the most seats. But the Labour Party and the Liberal Party won enough seats to create a hung parliament, which happens when no single political party wins a majority in the House of Commons. So in 1924, Conservative Prime Minister Stanley Baldwin resigned, and Britain's first ever Labour government formed, with Ramsay MacDonald as Prime Minister. The government had the support of the Liberals, but it was still a minority government with only 191 members of parliament in the Commons. There was a lot of opposition to the new Labour government. The Labour government gave diplomatic recognition to the Soviet Union and agreed to loan Russia money. An incident called the Campbell case also ignited opposition and led to accusations of McDonald being lenient on communism. John Ross Campbell was the acting editor of The Workers Weekly, a newspaper controlled by the Communist Party of Great Britain. After the newspaper published an open letter that urged military members to, quote, turn your weapons on your oppressors, Campbell was charged under the Incitement to Mutiny Act of 1797. But the Labour government dropped the prosecution on August 13th. This, along with other alleged pro-Soviet activity involving the Labour government, helped lead people to fear a communist threat in leadership and contributed to the downfall of McDonald's government. In early October, Liberal Party leader H.H. H. Asquith called a motion of no confidence in McDonald's government, 
the Liberals hoped that the Conservative Party or the Labour Party would be forced to enter a formal coalition with them. But McDonnell called for a general election, which was scheduled for October 29th, even though there was a slim chance of Labour winning it. But on October 9th, British intelligence agents in Riga sent the text of the Zinoviev letter to London. The letter was addressed to the Central Committee of the British Communist Party and signed by Zinoviev, Secretary of the Communist International, Ada Willa Kujinin, and Arthur McManus, a member of the Comintern's Executive Committee and its Presidium. The Communist International, or Comintern, was a Soviet organ that promoted world revolution and communism through propaganda and subversion. The Zinoviev letter encouraged leaders of the British Communist Party to incite revolution among the factory workers and armed forces of Great Britain, and it was dated September 15th. Soviet officials and the British Communist Party said that the letter was not legitimate, but a copy of the letter was leaked to the press. Four days before the controversial general election, the Zinoviev letter was published as the front page story in the Daily Mail. It was published under the headline, Civil War Plot by Socialist Masters, with the subheading, Moscow Orders to Our Reds. The Labour government's political opponents used the letter to drum up a red scare in the media. The publication of the letter humiliated the Labour government, but it did not have a huge effect on the Labour vote in the 1924 general election. Still, the Conservative Party won the election. The Labour Party's loss was likely not due to the Zinoviev letter controversy and instead due to the success of the Conservatives and the collapse of the Liberal vote. Conservatives largely believed the letter was authentic, while British intelligence deemed it a forgery. The authenticity of the letter has been the subject of much debate since, and the letter later underwent investigations. But there is no solid proof of who wrote the letter, and the original letter has not been discovered. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at T-D-I-H-C Podcast. We also accept electronic letters at thisday at iheartmedia.com. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. We'll be back tomorrow with another one. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.